0: Do you believe Jesus is with you in every moment? One of the best ways to instill this truth is by spending time in reflection and prayer. Dr. David Jeremiah makes this easy with his new 365-day devotional called Walking with Jesus. This exclusive book is available for a gift of any amount in support of Turning Point. And for a donation of $120 or more, you'll receive the devotional four-pack, perfect for gifting. Learn more when you visit davidjeremiah.ca.
1: For many, it's the ultimate test of faith, submitting to God's call, even when His purpose isn't fully clear. Have you struggled with this? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah profiles some inspiring figures from Scripture who submitted to God's authority, trusting in His sovereignty rather than their own judgment. Listen as David introduces the conclusion of his message, God is in control. Well, you know, the sovereignty of God is uh, not taught very
0: often, kind of avoided by a lot of people, especially in these days. But God's sovereignty means he is the highest authority in the universe, that he does what he wills in heaven and on earth, and no one can question him and say, why are you doing what you are doing? God is the governor over all the nations, king over all the kings, and true Lord over all would-be lords. That is how the Bible presents him and that's how he's presented in this series. He is in control. So whatever you're dealing with, whatever problem you're facing, if you're a Christian, you have a relationship with the highest authority. And don't neglect it. And don't don't forget to access that relationship. He's there for you. And he's promised to be with you, as we've learned already in this series. Uh, this series is called Encouraging Words for Discouraging Times. We put it together. By selecting messages we knew would be, uh, they would pump you up. I had a series one time that I did called Passages That Pump Me Up. Well, these are those kind of passages. They keep you focused on why what's happening around you is not necessarily the most important thing in your life. That God is at the center, and if you focus on Him, you will do well. And uh, we're going to study part two in just a moment of. God is in control. But before we do that, let me remind you there's a study guide for this series that goes along with the book. Here's how you can get one of each. You can get the study guide by going to davidjeremiah.org. It's available there. You can order it and have it sent to your home. And the book is available during the month of January only for a gift of any size to Turning Point. Now, this is a very substantial book. It's 208 pages. It's a hardback gift book. It has all of the information, the notes, the bibliography, all of the stuff that you need Uh To study this material, it's all printed here, and it will be there for you when you need it. If you remember something that was said, it's in this book, and you will find it uh, helpful to have it in print as the days go by. Ask for your copy of this brand-new Encouraging Words book when you send your gift to Turning Point today. Here's part two of God is in Control. Is the world thriving with peace and prosperity under your so-called human sovereignty or is it descending into disorder and instability and chaos is the world cleaner or more polluted is it more peaceful or more threatened is it more orderly or more violent is it more prosperous or teetering on the verge of bankruptcy You would think after all the pain we have felt as a nation, after all the hurt and anguish we have felt as a world, after all the problems we have experienced, that somebody might just ask, is it possible we're going the wrong way? We started down this path as early as the book of Genesis. When Nimrod got the people together and said in effect, we don't need God coming down to talk to us. We'll just build our own tower up to God. We'll do our own thing. And they brought everyone together and launched their project and went to work and something odd happened. Suddenly one day they went to work and no one could understand anybody else. Because God reached down and confounded their language. God was in control. If we keep reading in Genesis, we come to the story of Joseph. As a teenager, he was abused by his brothers who threw him in a pit and sold him into slavery. They did everything they could to erase his memory. Years passed, and one day in the sovereignty of God, they faced a severe famine in their land. They journeyed down to Egypt to get their food, and guess who was handing out the food? It was Joseph! Joseph! who somehow had become prime minister of the greatest empire on earth in those days. But it wasn't somehow, it was sovereignty. Those poor boys thought they had been had. Here they were coming to get food and running into the brother that they had betrayed and now thought was dead. Turn over to the book of Exodus and listen while Pharaoh commands all the Hebrew male children to be drowned in the Nile River to reduce the population of the Jews. But the Lord said, as it were, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'll use the Nile River to preserve a baby who will become the liberator of my people. And there, in a pitched basket on the Nile River, while Pharaoh intended to kill these precious babies, God hit a baby who would be named Moses, almost as if he were playing a joke on Pharaoh. God was in charge. Isn't it incredible to read the history of God's sovereignty in the affairs of men? And when I see what's happening across this country, I have to turn off the television, lay aside the newspaper, open my Bible, bow my head, and say, I know the one who's in charge. The biblical teaching of God's sovereignty stirs me when I think about it. And when I look at the fact that there aren't any answers anyplace else, this is in the lap of the Almighty, and I come away with three affirmations which I want to leave with you in your heart today. If this is true, if what I'm saying is true, what should my response be to the fact that Almighty God is in charge, that when you look into the heavens, the throne is occupied, that God doesn't go on vacations, he never sleeps, he never takes his hand off the control level? How should I respond to that? Well, first of all, I've written down, because he is sovereign, I will reverence him. The first affirmation about God's sovereignty is this, because he is sovereign, I will give him reverence. I've had the opportunity of sharing the word of God in the presence of some national leaders over the years that I've been in the ministry. That's a very scary thing when you're asked to speak in front of a national leader. But I want you to suppose with me and Take all of the nuance out of what's going on in our world today. This is kind of not normal, what's happening right now, but just kind of get back to the normal and think with me through this illustration. Suppose I were preaching and a colleague came to the platform and handed me a note, and it said, the President of the United States has just arrived unexpectedly and he wants to attend your service today. Now, some of you will think that would be good for him. (laughs) (laughs) Now, just, I'm going to try to hold this together now. just I want you to hear my story and don't get lost in the nuance of all this, all right? If he said that, do you know what I would do? I would take a little break from my sermon and I would say to the crowd, let's all welcome the President of the United States. And regardless of who the President happened to be at that moment, and regardless of whether we agreed or disagreed with his or her policies, if we are the right kind of people we would stand and applaud why because we respect the office of the president of our nation and the bible tells us to honor the king so if we can summon the courtesy to respect the human position no matter who the leader might be what should be our attitude about confessing jesus christ as lord of lords and king of kings the bible says the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom And the concept of fearing the Lord troubles some people, but we're not talking about a debilitating kind of fear. We're talking about a worshipful reverence for God. Christians were once described as God-fearing people. Do you remember those days? Nobody even knows what that means anymore. We seldom hear that phrase, and perhaps it's because we've lost the concept of the fear of the Lord. God wants us to reverence him to bow before him, to fear him with healthy, godly awe. For God is sovereign and he is worthy of our reverence and our respect. We have tried in our culture to bring God down to where we are because we feel so distant from him. But I say to you, leave God where he is and get on your knees and reverence him. He is worthy of your respect. And because God is sovereign, my second affirmation is I will respond to him in obedience. A few pages back in this little sermon that I'm giving you, when the Lord told the Israelites to go, this man, this most powerful, feared man of his day, Pharaoh said, Listen, do you remember this? He said, No. But do you know why he disobeyed? Here's what it says Who is the Lord? that I should obey his voice to let Israel go. I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. And if I were Moses, I would have said, son, you're about ready to meet him. (laughs) (laughs) Because Pharaoh didn't understand or respect Jehovah, he felt free to disobey. When people disregard God's sovereignty, they disobey him. But let's reverse the equation. If irreverence produces disobedience, then surely reverence should promote obedience. As I open my Bible, this is the word of a sovereign God. I can't any longer read the Bible just as a student. I have to read it now as a servant. I'm not just trying to learn what the Bible says. I'm trying to find out what God, the sovereign of the universe, is telling me to do, and I have to respond with a yes, Lord. It's interesting how you read the Bible. If you're just reading the Bible for more information, it won't change your life at all. But if you read the Bible as a servant and you say, Lord, what do you have for me today that you need to communicate to my life, everything changes. It's all about your mindset. When we grasp the sovereign authority of God in and over everything from the broadest galaxy to the smallest grain of sand, we gladly submit to his will for our lives. He's the captain, he's in control. His eye scans the maps and he knows what's best for us. We may not always like the weather or the scenery or the route, but those issues pale in the brilliance of his sovereign face. In the Old Testament, there's a story about a man named Eli. He was a priest and he had two rebellious kids. It's embarrassing to read what they did. And I'm not going to embarrass all of you by giving you the details in the service. You can find it out. Now that I've told you about it, I'm sure you'll look it up. But there in that setting in Shiloh, where these two rebellious sons were disgracing God and their father, there was a young boy who was serving God in the tabernacle. And one evening, God spoke to this boy saying, Samuel, and Samuel said, speak Lord, for your servant hears. And the Lord gave Samuel a message for Eli, and it was not a good word. He told this young boy, go and tell Eli what I'm telling you. And this is what the message was, 1 Samuel 3. Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hear it will tingle. In that day, I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. Wow. Eli gets this message. And you would have thought he would push back, maybe ask for grace and say, wait a minute, give me another chance. But according to verse 18, Samuel told Eli everything God said and Eli said this, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. In other words, whoa. Samuel, if that's what the Lord said, let the Lord be the Lord. That's a pretty good sentence to keep in mind, isn't it? Whatever happens to us, whatever God tells us to do, we can simply say, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Abraham said something similar when he learned the fate of Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Ladies and gentlemen, the Lord will do what seems good to him, and the judge of all the earth will do right. We get shook up by what's happening, whether near us or far away, but the problem is our own human perspective. That changes when we remember that God is in charge. He sees everything from beginning to end, and the more we comprehend that, and the more we gladly resign ourselves to his will and obey what he says, and we come to the place where we can say, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. He will do what is right. He will always do what is best. Because God is sovereign, I will reverence him, and I will respond to him in obedience. And here we are again back to this familiar theme and the attributes of God, because God is sovereign, I will worship him. Here's my final affirmation. Throughout the Old Testament, especially at momentous times in Israel's history, are great outbreaks of praise. It's truly amazing if you study the Old Testament with this in mind. For instance, there's this one dramatic story where King David was trying to build a temple in the Jerusalem for the Lord. It was the final dream of history's great visionary, and his dream was good, but God told him he wasn't going to let him do it. Do you remember that? And David was so frustrated. He said to David, you shall not build me a house to dwell in. He went on to say, because you have been a shedder of blood, you cannot build my temple. And... You would have thought David would have gone off and pouted and given up on the whole deal, but the Bible says that David was brokenhearted, but just for a moment, he was a resilient man. And what did he do? He undertook the one thing he could do, which is always the hardest part of any building program. He raised all the money for the project. And all I could think of was, where was my father when I needed him? Amen? (laughs) He personally gave from his wealth, and he appealed for funds from others And then they had this worship set in the midst of that very unlikely situation. Here it is from 1 Chronicles chapter 29. David blessed the Lord before all the assembly. David who wanted to build the temple and couldn't because God wouldn't let him do it. And David said, blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. I could never have come up with something like that when I was nursing the wounds of a broken dream as king david stood that day to collect that offering to finance one of the great wonders of the world he led his people in a prayer of worship directed to the sovereign lord and they brought their offerings and david said in so many words god made you rich they stood that day in a moment of strength and power and david said god gives you strength and they stood that day and rejoiced and david said god puts joy in your heart he's the sovereign god he understood what we're trying to learn today that our God is sovereign, and our response is to praise his name and worship him and honor him, for he alone is worthy. Whatever I have, whatever is in my heart, whatever I've done, whatever I'm doing, God is behind it all. I have no reason for pride. I have every reason to bow humbly before him in gratitude that he would be so willing to let me be a part of what he does. We are not trapped in some aimless universe spinning on a doomed planet, living in a meaningless life and dying a hopeless death. We're not riding on a runaway clattering train. Our God is Jehovah and there is none like him. He is absolute, he is eternal and all powerful and utterly sovereign. And when he reigns supreme and unrivaled as our captain, Adonai Yahweh will be your sovereign God. Things work out in our lives. Let me tell you this, my friend, that it's no accident that you are where you are. Even if you got there because of an accident, God has a perfect plan and there are no accidents with God. The family you were born in was no accident. The country you live in, the language you speak, the friends you have, your weaknesses, your mistakes, all the things that you've done, your poor decisions, none of them are accidents to God. The book of Romans tells us that God works all things together for his glory. And the word for all things together is the word synergao, the word from which we get our word synergy. And synergy is when you take a whole bunch of things and put them together, and the result is much more than all of them could be added up to be. There's a synergistic effect. And when God gets involved in our lives, he takes the good and the bad, the mistakes, and all of the things we do right, and in his sovereign, he mixes it all together, and he puts it together in his plan and according to the scripture he makes all things beautiful he's the sovereign god you may think today oh i have blown it so much god can never use me no if you've blown it you ask for forgiveness you get right and you wait for god's next word and i promise you he's not done with you yet he has a purpose for you he will take what's wrong and somehow he will weave it together into his plan and he will make it right do you regret certain decisions you've made Did things not turn out the way you had hoped? Do you feel stuck? Do you wish you had done things differently? There are no accidents with God. God in his sovereignty even overrides our sins Maybe you're suffering long-term consequences of a bad mistake. Remember, there are no accidents with God. God is not the author of sin. So wherever we find ourselves and whatever we have to deal with, we can know that God in his infinite wisdom and in his sovereignty has designed it for our good and to make us like Christ and to bring him glory. Just hang in there. You can trust God. He's in control, and he's a good God. Don and I are going to board a ship in Boston, that will take us to Canada and New England. I know you feel badly for us, but somebody has to do this. (laughs) This ship is enormous. We'll have about 650 people on this ship and it holds 2,000 people. Sometimes when I go there and I stand next to the ship and look up at it, it's overwhelming to me that this humongous piece of steel can float And I better believe it can, because I'm about to get on it, right? (laughs) Up on the bridge of this ship, the captain has his maps and his charts and his navigational equipment. And he and his crew have plied these waters many times. They know exactly where the ship is headed. They know the exact moments when the ship will depart one port and reach another. Meanwhile, down below the bridge, many kinds of people have booked passage. They all think they're in charge of their lives. Some will come to study the Bible with me, but as I walk around the ship, I will notice a lot of people who in absolute certainty did not come to study the Bible with me. (laughs) They're lost in their own pursuits and in their own pleasures. They're aboard that ship making their infinite daily decisions like everybody else. But none of that has anything to do with the captain. None of that slows down the ship no matter what the passengers do or don't do or how frustrated they become or how carelessly they live the ship keeps bearing down on the waves maintaining its pre-planned schedule and arriving at its destination at just the right moment that's an inadequate illustration of the sovereignty of god but somehow it helps me to remember that god has his hand on the wheel and the culture may change, and the storms may rage, and there may be times when I think I'm running the show, but it's all ridiculous, because up in the wheelhouse is Almighty God, and he's in charge, and the ship's going where he wants it to go, and I'm on board, and though I might be confused sometimes about what's happening, I can rest assured, I trust the captain. I believe he knows what he's doing, and he's in charge. And He's in charge of your life whether you like it or not whether you know it or not and the wonderful thing that happens when you become a Christian is you come to the place where you acknowledge that there is a sovereign God and you realize how wonderful and powerful that is and you say to yourself sovereign God be sovereign of my life come and sit in the wheelhouse of my heart come and be my Lord and my Savior and when you do that He never, ever says no. He doesn't say, I'm too busy. He always comes when we invite him, but he never comes unless we do. You don't get him by coming to church. You don't get him by reading the Bible or talking to other people or even learning the language of Christianity. You only get God when you invite his son to come and live within your heart. The Bible says that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. So my plea to you today is if you do not know this sovereign God, you need somebody to get in control of your life. And God Almighty is waiting for you to invite him to be your Lord and Savior. What is there that would keep you from doing that? Why would you not want to do that when you know who he is and what he does? Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. for listening so carefully uh, to the teaching of God's Word. I hope it's helping you and encouraging you and lifting up your spirit to know that you have a God in heaven who is in control. And uh, tomorrow we're going to talk about the fact that God is the source of your strength. Uh, this is a line that is very important to me because it's in a worship song that was sung in my church the weekend I came back from cancer. And... uh He is the source of your strength. He's the strength of your life. I sat on the front row and listened to that and realized how really important that is and how true it is. And it's still true. So don't forget to join us tomorrow as we look at 2 Peter chapter 1. And God is the source of your strength. We'll see you then. I'm David Jeremiah. Thanks for listening.
1: message today came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Dr. David Jeremiah, the senior pastor. Let us know how Turning Point is impacting you by writing to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, RPO, Sawasan Delta, B.C., v 4 l 2 m 4 Visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or calling 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new book, Encouraging Words for a Discouraging World, 10 Biblical Promises to Bring Comfort in Chaos. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also stream more than 1,200 of Dr. Jeremiah's messages on demand with our streaming service, Turning Point Plus, for a monthly gift of any amount. Visit turningpointplus.org for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue encouraging words for discouraging times on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. For
0: more than 40 years, Dr. David Jeremiah has faithfully preached God's word. And as the world changes, how the message is delivered expands. Turning Point Plus was created as the next step in our digital broadcast ministry. And it's available instantly when you sign up to support Turning Point with an automatic monthly gift of any amount. Learn more and access more than 12,000 audio and video messages at turningpointplus.org.
1: There's lots of advice telling you how to set and reach your goals. But before you dive in, it's a good idea to know God's plan for your life. Find joy in pursuing the next steps God has for you in Dr. David Jeremiah's book, Forward, Discovering God's Presence and Purpose in Your Tomorrow. God does have a perfect plan for you, and it's time to embrace your life's purpose. It's time to move forward. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca.
0: I once read... That the worst part of having success is trying to find someone who is happy for you. As I thought about it, I realized that might be true in a world where jealousy and envy are commonplace. But in God's Word, God's kingdom, there's a different set of values at work. The Apostle Paul wrote that we're to rejoice with those who rejoice. Because Christians are part of one body, I am able to rejoice in your success as if it were my own. In the kingdom of God, when one succeeds and rejoices, all succeed and rejoice together. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's reasons to rejoice on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today.